Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. And this week, heading back from the fridge with some some cuts of Gabagool, very proud to introduce our guest uh, from the Real Connections podcast, Rilwan Balogan. What up, Jesse? I'm so excited to do this. I've been waiting to be asked to be on, but I'm that person. I'm I'm not going to text you like, hey, yo, bring me on your podcast. We were supposed to yeah. do Candyman, and the guest you had on was by far probably better than me, so I'm glad <laughs> that happened, but I'm glad to be here. Yes. Uh, so this week, if if listeners could not tell by the, like, um, you know, Italian meat joke that I made at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to be talking about the Mini Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel movie that hit theaters and HBO Max this weekend, as well as it's going to be an opportunity for us to talk about the Sopranos show, which is fun in of itself. Um, I first just want to ask you, though, I mean, like, I am a big, like, lover of the, the TV show, mm-hmm. The Sopranos. But I don't know your relationship to it. Like, how much of the show have you seen? Have you seen the show at all? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Okay, so I've seen two seasons. And for folks who are listening, wanting to know if they should watch the show first, I would say yes. There were some things in the movie that I got from the first few seasons I've seen. And then other times I was just like, okay. But I'll say after watching this, I immediately started my rewatch. I just started back from season one again to try and watch it all the way through. And then I plan on watching the movie again. Okay. Okay. That's I'm, I'm actually excited for you of like, that's this, I probably watched it. I think it was one year when I was in college. Cause I just have like a distinct memory of like it, it took me about a year to watch all of it, but it was just over the course of a year. Periodically, I would like watch a few episodes and then, you know, a few weeks would pass and I would just watch a few more or something like that. And at the time I was rewatching it, it, it was not one of these shows. It seemed like that kind of like the wider, there was not a lot of people coming to it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, And obviously like the show was on the air from 99 to 2007 and i remember being aware of it as a kid but was like (laughs) my parents were not gonna let me watch this show as a kid clearly um and i don't know about you like it it sounds like you started diving into it pretty recently like i it feel like the show kind of got this extra boost in the last year Mm -hmm because of the pandemic and it's it's a fairly long show it's you know fairly dense in places and i feel like a lot more people were more open to sort of binging it or watching it last year sort of in quarantine and so i feel like in the last year i've sort of seen this show get this kind of rediscovery from people our our age who are maybe like too young to watch it when it was on the air or even like people younger than us like a whole gen z the gen z kids kind of like discovering it and being like oh what is this and and it's been exciting to have the see that this show is still able to be like so relevant and another interesting piece that i i'm wondering what your your thoughts on this are i feel like it's a very memeable show which feels like Mm -hmm. a very like superficial thing to say about it but (laughs) 
I think is important in kind of like keeping a show like this in the center of the culture, especially for like people younger than us. And as much as the Sopranos is this at times, like very violent, very dark mob show that also has these like very um, deep kind of like psychological themes to it. It's also like incredibly funny yes. and it is like a great show to like, you can take, I, I send so many just like screen grabs and like, memes of this show to people all the time which is like the lowest form of criticism to say that but I, I think is another interesting aspect of like I'm just curious have you also noticed in the last year it, it seems like recently this show kind of got like an extra boost that now I think means a whole new generation of people is like excited and interested in checking out this new prequel movie absolutely I think quarantine and lockdown really and or allowed a lot of people to revisit some shows they never watched prior um right. several things because nothing at that time was really coming out everything was halted so people are like well let me check out x y and z and obviously we once we heard this movie was coming out and we heard his son was going to be involved i think that's when so many people said well i'm interested i want to know what's going on so that's why folks were watching it and talking about meme culture it is always the gifts are everywhere. I was saying the last few months, so I don't know yeah. if it's like HBO hyping it up within the movie. I wouldn't be surprised, but the gifts I've seen them nonstop recently, and it's so funny. There's one I saw today actually. Um, I think it was uh, it was him talking about this is this is pulp, like the orange juice. This pulp, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> And I started laughing. I've never related to something more hard oh, or yes. like harder in a TV show of like that. That was me to like my mom growing up is 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 being like this orange juice has like pulp pulp in it. She's like, no, it's it's some pulp. So I was like, I don't want any pulp in my orange juice or whatever he's complaining about. Like that, I really felt seen of like being petty and complaining about exactly. orange juice as a kid. Exactly that little thing, like you said, the show is so heavy at times. But it's full of little humor like that. That's not um, it's very dry humor. It's not laugh out loud. It's not like those laugh tracks, obviously. So mo shows like that are things I gravitate to the most. And so I'm glad yeah. to have restarted the show here and I want to finish it. Like you said, we're the same age. So when it ended, I remember all the hoopla around how are they going to end it? How will this do you, do you do you know I have to interrupt to be like, do you? Do you know how it ends? Yeah, at the at the um, they're at a uh, a, a restaurant or some sort, and it doesn't it like just fade to black or something, fade to uh, black or white. Like someone walks in, and you're thinking he's gonna. Yeah, get yeah. Ba ba basically, the show just sort of like abruptly cuts to to black. I I was if you had like zero clue of like what happens, I was gonna like make it like extra important to to sort of keep that piece of culture sealed to you and be like you need to immediately text me when you get to that moment because i i like you remember like friends of like my of like the adults in my family mm -hmm. like knowing that i was into pop culture as a kid and being like i know you don't watch the sopranos because you're 12 but <laughs> i need to tell you about this like crazy ending that has people like really pissed off but like i i personally think it is the my favorite ending to a tv show i could see which, that because it's yeah, definitely like i've sorry to cut you off but i wonder if it's no, like no. them saying well no because obviously there isn't it's hard to make a successful series finale 
So mm-hmm. I think that fade to black, obviously I haven't seen it, but I know what happens. Well, let me ask you, it's it's satisfying. Is it satisfying because one, you don't know what happens, or is it two, you kind of uh come up to your own conclusions? I th- I think it's it is both sort of um I think it is endured because of the draw your own conclusions aspect of it. Um I I really like it because um I think it is a a perfect like clarification of kind of like what made the show great of like I was thinking today um the show is unusual even compared to a lot of the like prestige TV that would follow mm. um you know your Game of Thrones your your Breaking Bads of like it's not and I'll be curious to see if you notice this like when you like really dive are diving back into it of like it doesn't it's not unfolding with a sort of like direct path. It doesn't feel like the show is charging until about like the final season, which is like extra long. It doesn't feel like it is charging towards an endpoint. It it is still sort of operating in the normal kind of digressive week to week mode of that television traditionally sort of unfolds at, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the same way, you know, I, I would think about like the Sopranos the same way I would think about, I don't know, Seinfeld or friends or something or, or the Simpsons in the way that like, yes, there are plot threads that kind of will continue certain episodes and there'll be characters that will come back and maybe there'll be stuff that like just doesn't get answered of like, yeah, we're just not going to deal with that anymore. And to me, the ending, especially if you know, if you've like seen interviews with David Chase, the the creator of the series, a like adorably grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it just seems to be a kind of like a bit of a middle finger back to the audience of just sort of like, <laughs> no, this this doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm and this especially was clarifying to me of like the amount of like vitriol and hatred people had around like the game of thrones finale Mm. and the sopranos kind of like dodged that by just sort of being like no more tv yeah yeah we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna put the whole pressure of everything the show was on 10 minutes at the very end of one episode and so of just like it's done it's over Mm -hmm. and even someone like um matthew weiner who wrote on the show and would go on to create mad men kind of breaking it down is like you know the show is only going to end three ways tony tony gets off tony goes to jail or tony gets killed yeah now you can fill in the blank of whatever you think those happens but it's like you there there's no other like ways outside those three options Mm -hmm. that happens for someone in this life but to me i guess this was an elongated answer but just the thing i loved about the ending of that show is it it just sort of reinforces that like what makes the show great is having all these different digressions and sort of like weird character one-offs and um, it being more about the journey and spending time in this world with these characters and sort of probing deeper into them as people than it ever was like a story that's driving to one exact point. Right. So an, an infinite or not an infinite or specific ending. Yeah. Yeah. I and, get you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I went back um, this week, actually, before the the movie got released and watched. It was, you know, thankfully HBO Max had like a little playlist that was like the best of Sopranos episodes. And I kind of just fell back in love with it again (laughs) of just sort of like 
man, this the show is so good mm-hmm. and it feels you can feel this sort of act of discovery happening in real time of it it was so unlike anything else that was on TV at the time and you can really feel them in in sort of real time in this show being like so basically we we were free to do whatever we want there's no you know i'm sure there's some supervision but no real supervision here and sort of like we get to push the boundaries of like what kind of storytelling can you do when you don't have to deal with ad breaks how provocative can you push the content when you know you're don't have to abide by normal network rules and how deep and how complicated can you make the characters and there's there's still even though there are clearly shows that are inspired oh, by yeah. it and have sort of taken up the mantle there there is just still something about this series that it feels so like alive and surprising and and you can feel that kind of energy of like we're we don't know how far we can take this but let's sort of push this in any possible direction we can and see like what can we explode what you think of as like being on television if that makes sense and that's what i feel like because of the sopranos it made hbo the top tier for television in the way it is now and Mm -hmm. for so long because of this show and the shows obviously that come after it but when i think of hbo i think of the sopranos because just growing up i knew it was like hbo I, i feel like i remember the advertising for hbo itself it's like we're not TV or something along those lines. Like we're cable, we're different. And we, yeah. we're allowed to do that because of shows like The Sopranos. I feel like at some point we have to talk about this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm what, what were kind of your thoughts on it? As, just as someone who has kind of just seen a little bit of the show, because mm-hmm. as, as someone who has seen the full thing, I'm, I'm mixed on it. There, there are things about it I really like mm-hmm. and are really fun. I, I, I think it is sort of like very fun and kind of like brief moments, but as as a whole, felt very underwhelming. But um, really, I'm curious. You're, you're the guest. How? What did, what did you think of it? For me, as someone who's only seen two seasons of The Sopranos, as soon as it started. I watch it on HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to, whenever I watch movies like that, make it dark, try to act as if I'm in a movie theater, put my phones completely away from me in a different room. So, But it took about 30 minutes in until I was like, what's happening? Who are these people? Uh-huh. Um, so I had to bring out my phone. Some of the names and the faces, so I'll say the acting, the actors were good because I can tell, oh, that's Tony's mom. Oh, that... All that kind of stuff I could figure out, but I had to yeah. pull out my phone to look at the cast names to see how they're related to those on the show. Right. Otherwise, I think as a person who's never seen The Sopranos, they would be confused really quickly. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine someone who has not seen the show having kind of any any interest or any kind of connection to this movie whatsoever. I, I think it is... um. I think for all of its aspirations to kind of be its own thing separate from the show, it, it, it is an appendage to the show. And um, yeah, you, as soon as you mentioned the beginning, there is kind of a huge spoiler for the last season that happens. And the, <laughs> I, I guess we should clarify that like we, we are going to be diving into spoilers on this podcast 
Um, if you want kind of a quick wrap up, I wrote a quick review on Film Inquiry and kind of avoided some spoiler stuff. But I think as this podcast is an appendage to that review, just as this movie is an appendage to Sopranos, we're going to dive in the spoilers. Um, so you clearly got off the back the big, like the weird way this movie opens, which didn't quite work for me, which is like in the graveyard and it goes up to Christopher Maltesanti's grave and it basically like admit it, you know, you got the spoiler of like mm-hmm. in, I believe it's the final season, Tony kills him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I so, didn't uh, know that until this. So I was yes. like, so why? Cause I was like, when I left off season, I'm trying to, he wasn't dead. I'll say that he no, wasn't it, dead. It, and yeah. they were still, like close. I said, it's very late in the series. I think it's the last season that it happens. They're showing all these gra- uh, gravestones aside. I was like, okay, wow. Good to know. <laughs> and then I start Googling thing. Cause I'm trying to understand what is happening. And then even when we go to the flashback, when they're just kind of talking about where we're setting up, um, Dickie like has this presence over the entire series of the Sopranos. Yeah. I didn't realize that until after the fact. When mm-hmm. I was looking into it, I was like, oh, okay. And then when yeah. I did that, I like read something that spoiled the ending for me. I was like, oh. And so when it the, the, it was about to happen, I was like, oh, this is when it's... And then, oh, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this movie's sort of being sold as more of... Um, I think with Tony Soprano more as the focus when... Tony Soprano is more of a a supporting character in this movie, and I I can't wait to talk about oh. Michael Gandolfini in this movie, who I think is like easily the best part. Um, but yeah, the focus of this movie is more on Dicky Maltesanti, the character of or the father of Christopher Maltesanti on the show. Dicky Maltesanti is kind of this is it, never someone we meet in the show. He died years before, and so is kind of this mythic figure that. Tony idolizes and is sort of this absent father figure to Christopher, which means Tony kind of steps in as sort of the father figure for Christopher. And then that is sort of mirrored in this movie. As we see Dickie is sort of this, this father figure uncle to Tony and a mentor to him. And this movie, I think one of the themes this movie is trying to, and somewhat unsuccessfully, um, I think just because this movie's trying to have too many themes, but mm. it is sort of, I think, trying to mirror kind of the fall of one um, uncle-nephew relationship, the it sort of leading to this other poisonous one that would go on in the series. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's going to be a surprise to a lot of people who are going to go in expecting one thing and then have this totally new character who's sort of mentioned in passing on the show, but is actually now the the focus of this series. Absolutely. It took me by surprise. It took, cause I was waiting for uh, Michael to show up and then I was like, Oh, so we're seeing young Tony and mm-hmm. he was, he was never. So I guess that was frustrating, but I also see why the studios will promote. That's what the trailer is all about showing him. Cause that's what people want to see how he does it. Yeah. That's what I was drawn into as well. So it worked. It did what it had to do. Um, but it is kind of frustrating a little bit. But the story of Dickie was interesting. I'm like, wow. Wait, you've already said yeah. spoilers. We can do the spoilers. When he kills yes. his dad, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Yeah, I think it it offers another ch- like kind of conflicted mob character 
you know, to kind of mirror Tony Soprano. I think as charming as Alessandro Nivola is um, in, in the role, I think, I think kind of my big problem with the movie is it's trying to do a lot. And by the end, my kind of hot take was, I just sort of feel like this should have been a season of a TV show, mm. which is a little bit ironic because, um, so fun kind of bit of factoid history. So David Chase, the creator of the series originally wanted to do the Sopranos as a movie, but could only get it made as a TV series. And while he clearly seems really proud of the series, He's always, I think he comes from a generation where TV was sort of looked down upon. Absolutely. And I think still has this sort of regret of like, yeah, but it's a TV show. And it, it may, and to him maybe would have had more of a lasting impact. Though, you know, clearly history has, <laughs> has dispelled that notion. But I yeah. think to him, it would have been like something greater had it been a movie. And then the irony of he gets to make his Sopranos movie and due to a pandemic, most people are probably going to just experience it on television. I know. And at the end I was like, I just feel like this, this movie's trying to do so much. It is, it is trying to, you know, sort of have this kind of mirror to Tony Soprano in another character. It's trying to have all of the, the, in-house mob drama and it's trying to also bring in the the character that uh leslie odom jr who most people recognize from hamilton and and his whole um journey and sort of the the more black focus of the new jersey underworld and the stuff with the newark riots in the late 60s and Mm. then also have this origin story for tony soprano where you're seeing this mischievous although still kind of wide-eyed kid become this sociopath and that's a lot to do in two hours and i kind of just it's like i said it's just sort of ironic if he gets to make the movie like a sopranos mob movie and it's like i don't know it just just should have been a television series i feel like you you've got a lot of interesting stuff to explore but it feels like cliff noted in about two hours absolutely the stuff about the new york riots so was um leslie odom jr's character or that side ever brought up in the show no which which is interesting because i think the one kind of fair critique you could make of the show um you know it's interesting i was i was listening to to something this past week um where someone was mentioning you know for such a male centric show um the the women in the sopranos series are often like very well written mm. but i think the one aspect where of characters that were not very well written is whenever the series would bl- bring in um black characters mm-hmm. they were not always very well written and were like very kind of flimsy parts or very more sort of stereotypical kind of um hood ghetto characters Mm -hmm. and so this to me seemed like an interesting avenue to kind of like okay now we can more fully explore black characters on the show and i think there's like i mean i'm I'm fascinated to hear what you think because i i think there's an interesting sort of metaphor with the leslie odom jr character of about like black entrepreneurship and not being under the control of of sort of a white system and and funneling that through a gangster story but that that kind of just gets like i I swallowed up especially in the second half of the movie and i feel like it it 
it doesn't quite it's never fully followed through there's sort of all this setup in the first half of the movie especially with the newark riots and once it gets to the second half of the movie and tony becomes an even more central character and it becomes more about the tony dicky relationship then all the stuff with leslie odom jr kind of like starts to fall to the to the back a little bit and i feel like gets that's something i feel like I could have used like two episodes of a TV series to more mm-hmm. fully explore that world, if that makes sense. That was probably the weakest point for me. That yeah. whole thing. I was like, why are we going here at all? It didn't make sense to me. Um, and to hear the background about the show, I get why they were doing that. But I was like, I don't care about this character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just trying to see what the family here is doing. And yeah. in the beginning, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character worked for me. I think right. at, yes, at some point, doesn't he like travel? He leaves and then comes back or something to that. Whatever, what is it like the third act with his character? I was like, mm-hmm. just write him off at this point. It makes no sense to me, his character motivations at that point, nor right. did I care about it at all. Yeah, it 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 just becomes, it, it, it really seems like in the first half of the movie, like, they're going to set up, okay, now he's going to be a mirror to Dickie, and it's maybe going to be this, like... Who's the bigger guy? Rivalry. Exactly. That's what I yeah. thought they were going towards. Right. And I think the movie's ending and where they try and, like, how they try and use that character towards the ending of the movie, I think, is trying to pick up that thread. But mm. there's been so much else going on in the second half of this movie that there's just no time for Leslie Odom Jr. And so whenever he does sort of pop up later in the movie, you're like, oh wait yeah so what's all this and then there's like the scene where he goes to the horse stables and he meets um like the 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 character that's basically the same character denzel washington plays in american gangster Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and and i don't know it's it i was just sort of disappointed that what seemed like an interesting side thread that is very different from what the show would normally do and it kind of gets lost just because there's not time for it if that makes sense it's the way it ends it's definitely like if we get a sequel it's going to be his story right. like the name the many saints of newark like that works so it's anyone so that's what i thought the whole it was all for like if we get a sequel y'all warner brothers <laughs> or this is what the movie we will do right here that's what i thought it was for but his character never worked for me at all outside of the beginning yeah. So let's talk about some of the kind of like central soprano characters in the movie. We get a mix of new characters like Dickie. Um, I really enjoyed Ray Liotta in here yes. and was like very surprised at, um, you know, Ray Liotta is someone else who has this like interesting history with the show of um, at one point was being kind of courted to play a supporting role um a character of ralph that i i don't think comes up that early in the show from where i it sounds like you are but um maybe for the best because i think uh joe pantliano who plays that character later on is really really good Mm -hmm. um but now uh ray Liotta gets brought into the sopranos universe and was surprised when they killed him off so early and then extra surprised when I, I I just love that they don't fuss over it, but the fun detail of like he comes back as I guess the like twin brother of <laughs> Dickie's father in jail, and who just has this like dry sense of humor. Um, the whole like joke about the 
the song from Sound of Music, the These Are My Favorite Things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like really like howling at at just like the perfect dry line delivery of Leo, Leo Ray Liotta in this movie is 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 really wonderful. <laughs> I he's I don't think he's been in anything bad that I've seen. So I was excited. I didn't know he was involved until he showed up in the screen. I was like, all right, let's go. Then he's killed. I was like, uh. Then I was confused yeah. about his twin brother. I was like, okay, this is how y'all are keeping him in here. I see what you're doing here. It worked for me, though. I, w- I never questioned it. I was like, all right, I'll have fun with this. Yeah, and I think there's also a way, you know, there's so much kind of, um, you know, there are bits of magical realism both in the show and, and in the movie in places like, you know, the the opening in the the graveyard or at the very end with Dickie's pinky like coming up out, out of the coffin um and so like I think you could even view it as like maybe the brother doesn't look like the father but of just sort of like the guilt of Dickie mm. having killed his father like he's just projecting his father as this uncle that he's now trying to build this relationship with mm, I like um, that but I'm really curious your thoughts on the younger versions of characters we saw on the show because i think this is going to be a very hot topic with people i think some of the new recasted roles i think work beautifully and are really really fun others um feel like the sopranos muppet babies or (laughs) i don't i don't or i don't know if you if you've seen this sketch there was an snl sketch from it was probably like when you and i would have been in like high school that was literally like um, let's do the Sopranos in high school. And it was like a Muppet Babies version of Sopranos. And there are some of the like younger performances that do feel like, like oh, no. pulled from that Saturday Night Live sketch. I think the woman playing um, Tony's mom. Yeah, Vera Farmiga. I thought she was okay, but I can see it felt like a caricature. Like she was like, I need to play it. Because I, I love Tony's mom. I think I think she's very funny in the Sopranos. She's so funny. Like she's <laughs> absurd. Um so I was like, yeah, it's not the best, but I thought it was okay. I'll say maybe her also, I didn't even realize what is his name? Billy. Uh, oh, Billy Magnuson. I didn't know yeah. it was him until the credits came up. And I was like, oh, no, wait, yeah. that was him? Yeah, so that one really I, threw me. I didn't see that one at all. Yeah, him as the young Polly and uh, John Magaro as the, the young Silvio are the two that work the least for me. And I, I think, to their credit, because I, you know, I like both of those actors that I don't, I think they're, they're good, but um Polly Walnuts and Silvio are the two most cartoonish characters mm. on the show and are mm. very often like the the comedic relief and I think it's very hard to try and replicate those performances and have them feel natural somehow and not like you're doing like a Halloween costume right. version of it of like I kind of tack- cackled when young Silvio came out cuz it was just like this is like an imitation of Silvio that like someone would do at like a bar or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, and and I think like I I I kind of enjoyed Vera Farmiga as as Tony's mom. Um, I also enjoyed like I I thought um, Corey Stoll did like a really good job as the young Uncle June. I think he does the um, best. I think yeah, his was especially by far. when. 
when he started talking, I was just like, oh my God, that's, that's mm-hmm. the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think unless you got any further thoughts on them, like I even still like the most amazing thing in this entire movie is, is Michael Gandolfini. He does a great job. This is his first acting, right? Or no, I, th- I think so. So I've seen him in a couple other stuff, but I think this, this was filmed before those other things that I've seen him in. He was, um, he was ve- uh, much better than I thought. Like he, yeah. It, as you said earlier, he definitely steals the scene each time he's in it. Um, there's one scene. I think it's when he's holding baby um, Christopher, and then the baby starts crying. That scene was oh, really hello, good. Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> and then what are the like babies? You know, they can tell. Yeah, close to the afterlife or something. I was like, that was. Yeah, I think that's my enough- favorite scene. Another little like tip of tip of the hat to like what will happen later, but yeah, I I think he's so like I said, I was not sure how that was going to work out, um, just because I'd not really seen him in much, mm-hmm. and um, he clearly like physically looks a lot like mm-hmm. his father, um, but I I was just kind of blown away of not just the physical resemblance they have, but he so perfectly captures um, the the body language mm. and the 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 sort of vocal cadence of Tony Soprano. There's that scene at the principal's office where, which is kind of the scene I keep like thinking about in the days since I've seen it, where he's, the way he's just sort of slouching and kind of shifting his weight around in the chair is like, it, th- this therapy. is just something I picked up on. It's like watching some old Sopranos episodes before seeing the movie. I was like, that is like the exact same way James Gandolfini like shifts his body around whenever he's like nervous or uncomfortable or angry in the therapy scenes mm-hmm. with Dr. Melfi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just think the mo- the scenes with Michael Gandolfini are, are where the movie kind of gets this, this bit of magic and it does I, I, it felt to me like you're looking at a ghost sometimes mm. like as underwhelmed by the movie as I was by the ending that that last shot where they're kind of like the camera's like lingering on his face and he's kind of smirking and the theme song starts yeah. coming in like I I I got goosebumps as mm. someone who was just a fan of the show I, I was just like holy shit he that like that's his dad yeah. right there. Like it, that, that looks exactly like him. That's the exact same like look that James Gandolfini would give in this show. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if you have any further things to say about, but that was just, I think the one area where this movie like really came alive to me was like, Oh wow. They captured something really special in like getting this, this kid to, to play a younger version of, his dad essentially on screen and he does it well so it's 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 well no one's going to say because he probably had a lot riding on this as well i'm sure he felt all the pressures of this um i want to ask you i was talking to a friend of mine who's also finished the sopranos um and we were he was like yeah there's so many hidden things for fans who've seen the entire series the Mm -hmm. one thing as soon as we um i guess this is tony younger he was going up in front of the is going to like the outdoor carnival scene and i was like oh i remember this this was for sure in the show this was a therapy scene moment where she made him relive that 
So were there more moments like that? Like, is it just filled with that kind of stuff surrounding Tony? Yeah, there there are a couple scenes. I forgot about that one. The one that I remembered is, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, that I believe it's there's the scene when the father, played by John Bernthal, returns home and like gets mad because they their their new neighbors are black Black, i I believe Mm -hmm. that is like a a recreated something that was shown in a flashback in the show in like an early season and that they just sort of like reshot so i i I do think there are like a couple bits where they interestingly like just kind of beat beat for beat or I've I've heard from some other Sopranos fans that s- there are like minor inconsistencies, and now oh, people yeah. are asking themselves uh. whether like that's intentional and they're playing with perspective, or is it just like I I don't know, just kind of like listening to interviews with David Chase. Like there was one interview I listened to with him where he was like, I actually don't remember like ninety percent of the show, <laughs> and so I was just like, that's funny that people are like reading all this intentionality into it when it sounds like he, he probably just like straight up like did not remember how those scenes that like those scenes were already shown in the the show but but yeah there there are a a couple bits where they are like recreating stuff that was already shown in flashbacks in or um you definitely have not gotten to this part yet but in one of my favorite episodes in the show um it's called Sopranos Home Movies and i believe it's in the final season and you don't see a flashback but um Tony's sister Janice is like verbally recounting the incident in the car where uh, their father shoots their mother's beehive that she has on her head. Oh yeah, this, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, so that that's like a very um that 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 is a story that is told um in like a very famous scene in one of the other episodes, but like we don't see it play out if that makes sense. So what were the issues you had with it, aside from um, Leslie Odom Jr.'s third act? I, I think it all just feels a little undercooked to me. Mm. Um, like, I I just sort of feel like the reason the show was able to be so rich is because, you know, it had the time and, and had the sort of structure to be digressive and kind of um, to, to plunge deeper into these characters and I just think kind of as I hinted earlier, the movie has so much it needs to do that it all just feels very condensed and very short. Like I, I actually think the the sort of evolution or the, the sort of mini arc that it tries to have for young Tony, I think there's a way that you could have made that this kind of like gradual kind of intense thing over eight hours or so. And I think you could have had much more of a push and pull and gone more into the the sort of psychological turmoil in Dickie of like, I I do these terrible things, but I also want to be a good person in order to repent for the bad things that I've done, Um, which is also just like a thing that, you know, if you want to see that done like really well in a movie that has like its entire running time to go into that, like, go rent mean streets the the martin scorsese movie from the 70s which is like it's it's all basically that arc um of someone who is in the life of crime and like 
wants to do good deeds in order to sort of like balance that out when they finally like go to heaven or hell um so i i don't know i think it's just sort of feeling that this whole movie has moments that if you're a fan of the show are very like fun um but as as a whole i just sort of found it this kind of underwhelming experience that that never reached the kind of heights that the the show could at its best well david chase uh didn't he just sign a deal again with hbo so maybe maybe do you think he should revisit this world or just let it be create new characters i'm i'm open to him revisiting the the world certainly um you know the only other thing he's done i know there was a show about um kind of old hollywood that he was trying to get off the grounds a few uh, years no. ago i can't see another what was the ryan murphy show oh, oh gosh, oh, gosh. Uh, um <laughs> no i don't think it was like that um but uh i i think he didn't get like the money that he he felt he needed to to do that show and then i haven't seen this movie no fade away that mm um he did about like 10 years ago or so um and and is set around the same time period as many saints of newark and i think like him bringing a lot of his experience like being a teenager and a kid around that time and is another kind of coming of age story um so yeah i'm i'm open i like i think he's kind of a genius like but um you know i his his forte seems to be more tv than it does movies uh, um but he seems to be a guy who wants to make movies right. so we'll we'll see <laughs> oh so i was telling a friend this is for me and uh-huh. maybe it's because i don't have so much background with the show that i felt like this i was like i felt the movie was unnecessary like we don't need it and it yeah. feels forgettable for me in like two weeks definitely. i'll forget that i even watched it yeah i i feel the same way it definitely feels like this it it feels like what i was sort of hoping it wasn't going to be which is just sort of an appendage to the show that's only really there that feels like it's only really there because the sopranos is ip yeah um you know i i wonder i haven't heard him say in an interview but and maybe it's not true but i i wonder if david chase maybe just had an idea to do a movie about like newark new jersey where he grew up in the late 60s and have it incorporate the newark riots and the only way he could get it made as a movie is like well can you just make it a sopranos movie Mm -hmm. um that's sort of what this winds up feeling like but but even wanting to engage with it as as that it it just sort of feels like it it never it feels like if that's what he wanted to do, the sort of baggage of the show kind of like holds back any ideas that you could do with that time period, if that makes sense. Then the, the New York riots wasn't even given like justice. Like, right. That was like the, that whole thing. I was like, I don't need this. They gave it a passing or in a passing kind of explain, Oh, why we're mad. And then it was just like always, Oh yeah, the fire's burning again. So the rights it's still right. going for these amount of days it feels like just something that it's like oh if you're going to make it in this place at this time period like that was going on right so we need to have mm-hmm. that in there it it never feels like it feels like something that i kind of hinted at earlier that's like set up in the first half of the movie and you're like all right so this is going to carry some 
significance for the characters going into the back half of the movie. And then it doesn't really, and like, kind of like you said, it, it just sort of feels like something that's just sort of happening in the background that mm-hmm. like when people are out at night, there's, there's, you know, the city's on fire and there's people breaking in the shops and stuff and there's acts of police brutality, but mm-hmm. it's, it, ne- it never feels like it fully incorporates into the story. It just all feels like table setting. Yeah, absolutely. Again, after watching this, I'm very just, <laughs> I'm very excited to get into the Sopranos. So it's definitely, yes. I want to know, I wonder if that's what's going to happen with like HBO Max, if like viewership of Sopranos goes up. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. I mean, cause clearly as we kind of hinted at earlier, it seems like, the show has now found this kind of like, I don't know that it ever fully went away, but it now seems like it has found this sort of second life in the last year. And that it feels like due to HBO max kind of going live the same time as the pandemic, a whole new generation was able to kind of like fall in love with the show and have it be part of the pop culture lexicon in a way. And there's the um, rewatch with the two guys from the show, the guy who plays Christopher. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Michael and, Imperioli. And what's his name? Um, um, yeah, the guy who plays is it is it the guy who plays Bobby? I don't know that actor's name. I should bring. I say, it, let me find it. I will find it. But yeah, <laughs> I think that like for me, once I rewatch and when I start the rewatch, I'm definitely going to listen to their show. So yeah. people are all for it. podcast sorry as i search here no you're you're fine we yeah can, steve we can this <laughs> steve sharipa okay yeah yeah i think he's really good on the show i just like did not know his his name involvement in things but yeah so i'm excited to watch the sopranos right after i finish my lost watch and that'll Ooh. be the, the next thing oh that's a whole nother can of worms lost oh my god like that's that's something i was i was present for that (laughs) (laughs) uh, as a result of my older brothers i i was i was sitting on the living room couch watching that as that unfolded and what what a rot i i i I, i'm gonna say lost is good even when lost lost is 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 not what people would think is good like lost as a whole is good just like what what a ride just like what what weirdness that like no one is put gonna put something like that on air ever again season five is the complete weirdness but i'm into it this is when it's leaning all into the sci-fi of it all yeah that's that's just another great example of like a show it's it's so funny if you listen to interviews with damon lindelof talk about that show and he's like um you know people are mad people get mad at me that there is like stuff we introduced like in earlier seasons that we didn't pay off and he's like i don't think you understand the like we were doing like 24 to like 30 episodes of that show a season and we had to have a new script like every week and he was like, we just had to keep coming up with just like random stuff to like keep these people on this island. And he was like, we, we, there was no way we were going to tie all that stuff together. I'm no like, way. <laughs> no way. It's like um, now I understand that because 24 episode a season sounds ridiculous. I'm glad we've changed a, that like, model. Totally different era. It's, yeah. it's just wild that like that used to 
be normal. There used to be like that many episodes in it's a ridiculous. season. I mean, I guess like Grey's Anatomy still does that probably, but I'm sure it does. You know. That's why I can't ever watch. There's too much to catch up with that show. There's like 30 seasons of that show, no, right? Seriously, <laughs> I think 28 or they're about to start the 29th. Uh, did you, did you, I mean, we're basically wrapped up on Sopranos, but did, <laughs> did, did you, did you see that? Um, it kind of went viral on Twitter. The like, joke about um i don't even know if it was a joke it was just like people were rebringing up again when denzel washington directed an episode of uh gray's anatomy and whoever um i'm looking her name up who is the star of the show like got in a fight with denzel washington what i didn't know this um what's her name um great ah, oh i know as soon as you say her name uh, ellen, pompeo. ellen pompeo yes ellen got in a pompeo fight with denzel in, like, yeah she was basically <laughs> like he i guess like they got in a fight over like a directing decision or like a story decision or s- something on set and he was like i'm the director you don't talk to me that way and she got in his face and was like who do you, who the hell do you think you're talking to this is my show you're a guest here or something. i mean she's not wrong but then it's she's also not- Denzel Washington. I would be too. I would be too scared to. Oh yeah. To to yell at Denzel Washington. I'd probably be scared just like approaching and saying hello to Denzel Washington. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Uh. Well. Uh. Hey, man. It was. It was great to have you on this episode. Thank you so much for asking. I'm. It's a pleasure. Hopefully, I can return as a guest. This was a lot of fun. We will gladly have you back. Uh. You want to plug your show? Oh, yes. Listen to Real Connections, R-E-E-L Connections. Each week we either dive into a new topic of a movie, show, or anything in the zeitgeist of the moment. And the following week we kind of talk about people's favorite movies and why they love the films they love. Yeah, it's a it's a very fun show. I really like the idea of just sort of like, yeah, bring bring someone on and let them like talk about their favorite movie and kind of why and stuff there's so a lot of layers to it multiple layers yeah. as to why you like the stuff you do yeah well that that wraps us up in the coming weeks on the episode on the latest uh next week we're doing a james bond episode james bond super fan uh, jake triple is going to be on um we're probably going to talk about the new movie uh and then i mean real on we got we got there's a halloween movie coming up there's Dune. There's. I'm excited for I'm, Dune. Okay, I'm, I'm very excited. You're. I'm. I'm excited for the Sandworms too. Um. There's just a lot of good stuff coming. It's gonna be a fun next couple months on the show, and I look forward to having you back. Oh, I, I can't wait.